And welcome into another episode of the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. I'm Ben Mandel, joined by just Tom Leone this week. No Mikey D, no Parker Dorsey, but Tom and I will hold down the fort. We've got this. Yes, uh, as will. you can see, it is the most wonderful time of the year. Seen uh, by Tom's <laughs> oh, tree I in do the background. Have, I do have my Christmas tree up hey, already, yep. <laughs> so... The only reason why the house here is not all decked out for Christmas is because we are getting our floors done. So okay. we have to wait to put the tree up. Until it's that. killing my mom right now. We but. we got a we got a $50 gift card for putting our tree up that early with my job. I work for a Christmas tree company, so that's, honestly, you put the though, tree up, you take a picture, you get a $50 Amazon gift card pre uh, pre Thanksgiving. So Hey, well, no we're, in, for me. we're in the market for a tree for our back porch, so I know where I'm going. But <laughs> on to hockey here. Um, we, we do have some things we're going to get into, and a lot of them are – we've been talking a lot about our biggest surprises, but we're going to talk about our biggest disappointments so far this year. But first, just some news, uh, really big injury this week. Another star goes down. We've seen a lot of stars get hurt. McDavid missed some time. Jack Hughes has missed some time. Now it's Tage Thompson's turn. He's going to be out week to week. Um, you know, tough break for Buffalo, uh, a team that we're going to talk a little bit more about later on as the show goes on. But, um, getting into a little bit more of the meat, we saw the hall of fame induction ceremonies this week. And Tom, your guy, Henrik Lundqvist was inducted. We can't, not hear your thoughts tell us about you know just growing up watching Henrik Lundqvist and how it feels as a fan because I remember how it felt seeing Martin Berger's number 30 go up in the rafters seeing him enter the hall of fame this is his close this is right around you know what I was feeling as a Devils fan so walk us through what it was like being a Henrik Lundqvist fan and seeing him get enshrined it, w- it was so awesome I I, I think there's there's something about when a player plays his whole career with with your team that you grew up with because like as a fan right you don't switch your fandoms like you're a fan from day one through it all so when a player does that and has a career like Henrik Lundqvist it's so special and I was lucky enough to be sitting on the glass when he got his jersey retired and it was just an awesome awesome night and then this whole process has been great the only thing then I'll start with a negative before I explain what it was like watching Henrik Lundqvist, it is such a shame he doesn't have a Stanley Cup. Like, yeah. like it pisses me. It, it's, it's, At least I now it know how it hold him from getting in though. No, it's because he was that great. That's that, that's what the people call him out for not winning cups. But the fact is, is that he was on teams that weren't that good and he made them what they are, what they were. Like those deep playoff runs were because of Henrik Lundqvist. Them staying afloat in the regular season was because of Henrik Lundqvist. And it was just amazing. And I, I, I kind of know what it feels like to be a Dolphin fan from like the 80s and 90s watching Dan, <laughs> Marino. Dan Marino. It's like we yeah. never could make he's, – he's the Dan Marino of hockey, Henrik Lundqvist. But That's I don't know. That's a great, if I, great comparison. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I, um, it's just it's – just, it's amazing to me um, that he never won. But, but with that being said, watching Henrik Lundqvist, and growing up watching Henry Lundqvist was, it was like having a great quarterback for an NFL fan. You knew every year, every time the team stepped on the ice, there was going to be a chance to win. And you always had that buzz that if this guy turns it on come playoff time, they're going to go on a Stanley Cup run. And they had so many deep playoff runs with him. So many memories. The Montreal save in game six of the Eastern Conference final sticks in my head. He was amazing in that King series in his only Stanley Cup uh, appearance. It was just he was just so much fun to watch and just such a great goalie. And I wish he got the cup. So that way I could, I don't have to, every time I argue that Henrik Lundqvist is a top five goalie ever that I don't have to hear. He never won a cup. Um, But it is what it is. He has a great career and who knows, 
who knows? Yeah, maybe I'll get a cup as a, as an advisor or on a, on a coaching staff or something as a goalie coach. I don't know, but um, well, it was amazing. And think about, you know, just not only what, like, you know, Ovech, or what Lundqvist did getting to, you know, the point where he was and, you know, keeping the Rangers afloat all of those years. The one thing that sticks out to me as a, a non-Ranger fan how many cups did Alexander Ovechkin not win because of Henrik Lundqvist? Because how many times <laughs> did they meet in the playoffs and Washington just couldn't get past them? Like, so like it was, it was the Rangers at first and then it became the Penguins for the Capitals. Yeah. Like, like obviously Ovechkin Crosby was always a head to head, but it has always like Ovechkin always had an obstacle. And for the grade eight, Lundqvist was that obstacle if you if there's a documentary made about Alexander Ovechkin you can't tell that story without, without the Lundqvist Lundqvist. especially the game seven where he guaranteed a victory and mm-hmm. Lundqvist just absolutely stood on his head and he scored the first goal in that game that's the game the Rangers won in overtime where uh Derek Stepan scored the mm-hmm. game winner that game Henrik Lundqvist Oh, dude, that third period, he made some crazy saves. That The 3-1 comebacks against Pittsburgh, the 3-1 comeback against Washington. I mean, there are so many memories of this guy, and he was just so elite. I mean, he, he like, there's no business for a team with Michael Delzato and their top pair to make the Eastern Conference final. I mean, that's just, that's just what you got to just throw out there. I mean, the teams he was on, that went into deep playoff runs were just, it was just crazy. It was because so, of him. So that big, that raises the question, how good were those Kings teams that won the cup? Because you're saying they beat a Rangers team that wasn't that good. And <laughs> you and I both know that devil's team was not that good that they beat. Yeah. So how good were the early 2010s Kings? Maybe but a little a overrated. De- <laughs> that's a debate for another day. I mean, Hey, those that's two Stanley cups. We, as much as I, I dislike the Kings, especially from that era. And you know what's so crazy? We I I know we don't want to touch on this too much, but you yeah. can look back at the Devil series and you can look back at the Rangers series, and both the Rangers and Devils deserve to win those games so much. Daryl Sutter just had the Kings playing this style of hockey. It was almost like a great and it was defense always, that they bends but it doesn't at the break. Right time. Always like I think they scored in the Rangers series. I remember they came back both games one and two. They came back, they had a deficit. And um, and then one of the games in game three, it was zero zero the whole first period, and they scored in the last 10 seconds of the first period. And as a hockey fan, you know when you score in the last minute of a period, it flips the whole game on their head. Like everything in both those playoff runs. Well, and that's, I mean, the Devils' first two games, they go down three games to none, but the first two games went to overtime. So right right off the bat, I mean, Jonathan Quick standing on his head. Um, And then they go down three games to none. They win games four and five. Game six in L.A., right off the bat, five-minute major for Ryan Carter. (laughs) And that's it. The wheels fell off. You give a five-minute major in a playoff game, it's over. Over like, like, like the sharks, that. Yeah, the sharks, and inv- that was so. I remember watching that. That was unbelievable. That was awesome, dude. That I, uh, that's another playoff. My guy, Timo Meyer. Yeah, <laughs> Timo Meyer. But Logan let's, yeah, let's let's get into a little bit more of a pressing issue though here, and it's the NHL overtime because apparently three on three overtime is not exciting enough, and. I, I get it. I get that sometimes it does have some lulls. It's turned into more of a possession game rather than run and gun. I still think three on three overtime is exciting. Don't touch it. It's fantastic. So few games actually make it to a shootout now. Don't mess with it 
anymore. But at the GM meetings, they are talking about making some changes because they do want to see more offense. They think that there's not enough. What are some of the changes that they proposed? The first one is that you're not allowed to take the puck out of the attacking zone once you've entered the blue line. Once you've entered the attacking zone, you're not allowed to leave. Basically, the only way the puck leaves is if uh, the defending team is able to knock the puck out. The other option is a shot clock. Now, I don't know what the shot clock would be. All I know is I hate it. Tom, what are your thoughts? I hate the shot clock. I I I don't. If they're gonna make a choice, it's got to be the attacking zone one. I I and I and the reason why I say that is because there are certain teams, especially ones with great puck moving defensemen like the Rangers, like the 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 Avalanche, even like the Devils, right? With a mm-hmm. guy like Jack Hughes, there are so many times where like when they're when they're going into their rush into the into the offensive zone on the three on three overtime, if that first pass isn't there, they don't feel like they're going to get mm-hmm. a two on one opportunity. They just circle right back out. They make their change or they bring the puck back up again, and it does it does limit the amount of I'm in rushes right i find 303 overtime when you get those aggressive teams that shoot the puck on that it goes wide then the other team comes back it's i think like that's what they're looking <laughs> that's when it's really exciting that's when you get yeah exactly that's when you get like the second or third lines out there right where it's like this the guys that just want to score a goal it's not the top unit moving around the puck so i don't like the idea i think they should keep it i think they should abolish the shootout i think that's what they should be talking about they should just do 303 overtime three. until a team scores until because team it's scores. not like it's going to take 10 minutes like no. you're not going to get a, a columbus tampa bay five overtime marathon no and you might uh, you might get the occasional like 15 minute three on three where a team just can't find the net or both goalies stand mm-hmm. on their head but then again you know that's it exciting is what it is. if that it happens <laughs> Not the shootout, right? Where it's just—I it, used to love the shootout as a kid, and I think it's Me just because I was a little kid. You know, I thought mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it's exciting." I cannot stand the shootout. It is so boring compared to three-on-three overtime. They need so to. True. They honestly keep it the way it is. Get like you said, get rid of the shootout. It's yeah. It's Let's not talk about that not exactly. It's not necessary to change overtime. Now, I am just peeking up because uh, we it is Wednesday night, so NHL on TNT. Uh, the Hurricanes and Flyers, little Metropolitan Division action going on. Okay. The Flyers currently up three nothing on Carolina. I love it. Let the Rangers keep building a building a lead on the Canes, Penguins, and Devils. But the Rangers may the Rangers may be able to run away with this, especially you know. I mean, Jack Hughes apparently might come back this weekend. We'll see. I think getting Nico Heischer back is really important. I know a lot of a lot of criticism on the Devils, including from uh, Mikey D. But when you lose <laughs> your top the, two centers. I, like, and I also just think it's the defense and goaltending. Well, the defense concern. has been atrocious. So the bad. goaltending, yes, the goaltending is what it is. But the goaltending is what we expected. The defense yeah. has been putrid. They miss Graves and Severson a lot more than they thought they would. I think Luke Hughes has been good. I think I Brendan Smith needs to get launched into uh, I've anywhere. been there before as a Ranger. He he became so bad as a defenseman for the Rangers after they traded for him from Detroit mm-hmm. that his last year as a Ranger, he was a forward. He was our he was a he was the seventh. He was the seventh defenseman. Yeah, and they were using him on the fourth line. Yeah. They it's, weren't even playing him. <laughs> he's it's so bad. And yeah. like they sent Cal Foot to Utica. Why? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like Colin Miller's back. Okay, let him play. Yes. Why does Brendan Smith have to be in the lineup every day? Bring Shimon Nemitz up. Something. <laughs> Something. Yeah, they, but they need a jolt. 
Speaking of disappointments, though, we are going to talk about some disappointments. And before the show, you and I pulled up four teams to as our, our four biggest disappointments. We do have two from the West and two from the East. Now, out West, it's pretty obvious. The Edmonton Oilers are the NHL's biggest disappointment so far. Now, obviously, the head coaching change. You see uh, Woodcraft's out, Knobloch's in, someone that, you know, you, you threw out uh, in the offseason as a potential candidate to take the Rangers' head coaching yeah, job. I did. Um, this is someone that you have given high praise to. So definitely uh, interesting, but it's McDavid's junior coach coming back to coach him. So, you know, maybe things turn around. I know their first game under the new regime, things did look better. But Edmonton has certainly been the biggest disappointment this year. What exactly do you see as the problem? And do you think that the coaching change alone is enough to solve this? If not, what else do they need to do to get back on track? You know, it's a tough question with Edmonton because I think they have all the talent in the world, right? And, and there hasn't been that much changeover with their roster. I think maybe their depth hasn't been as good as it was last year, which which is is big to me. Um, I just think that the that, that they needed a change and that change was the coaching staff. I don't think they were they were responding to to the old regime. And I think losing McDavid, obviously, for that stretch of game, they were completely lost. I think him coming back, I think they're going to go on a little run here. I think they're going to come into by December or January, be right back in the mix for it. But right, they were there's just such a disappointment right now because you would think that how good they were last year and with Dreisaitl basically being in the heart conversation the last couple of years, that even losing McDavid, they would have stayed coarse. They would have played, you know, they would have been like the devils, right? They would have been like a game over 500 or whatever. They just completely fell off the rails. They just couldn't do anything, right? They were losing to teams they should have beat. Um, so they're a disappointment to me right now in the moment, but I can see how they turn it around. And it's just it's just buying into what Knobloch's gonna going to present to the team, buying into that system. And just relying on their superstars to take it to the next level over the next couple of weeks and get back into a playoff spot. I think it's going to happen. That's my prediction, but it has been, it just, just dry sidle, the top six, Nugent Hopkins has been underwhelming. Kane has been underwhelming. It's just been, their stars have been no shows and in that they did not step up when, when McDavid went out. So that's what was disappointing to me about them. Yeah, and look, obviously, you know, for Edmonton, I, I do think they're a little top-heavy. Obviously, anytime you end up with this kind of, you know, just – I don't even want to say – whenever you end up paying guys like McDavid and Dreisaitl as much as that Edmonton has to pay them, you know, it's it's just tough. Their top six, though, shouldn't it, – it's there. McDavid, Nugent Hopkins, I know Sam Gagne – that's a blast from the past, but Leon Dreisaitl, Zach Hyman, Evander Kane, even, you know, the third line and Ryan McLeod, Derek Ryan and Warren Fogle isn't awful. No. Um, defensively, Bouchard and Ekholm need to be better. Darnell Nurse needs to be better. Um, he got paid a lot too to be bad pretty much. He's exactly. almost what, 9.25, I think, almost 10 actually. I think so. Nurse. Yeah. Yeah, crazy. but, and I mean, Stuart Skinner also just has to be better. Um you know, like, I know they're dealing with a few injuries, but Edmonton, it's – maybe it just comes down to they're not that good. Because, yeah, yeah in the playoffs, McDavid and Dreisaitl carried. And in the regular season, 
how many points did McDavid have last year? Like, yeah, yeah. He was like That's almost crazy. two points per game. So maybe they just weren't that good. Maybe McDavid is really just fed up with Edmonton. Maybe he wants out. I don't know. I don't think so. I do think that Edmonton was able to make a move early enough that if this coaching change does spark something with this team and they do get back on track, They'll be locked in there for exactly. He, he they can, you yeah. can, this team can tightrope into a wild card. Like Winnipeg, <laughs> Winnipeg made the wild card last year out of the West. Like the exactly. West is not as loaded as the East, where in the East, if you don't if at Edmonton least, pay, got all, yeah. Yeah. Like if you don't at least play 500 hockey in your worst moments, you're not making the playoffs in the East right now with how loaded it is, but at okay. least in the West, you know, Edmonton, they'll, they'll be okay. As long as they write the ship soon, basically now um, yes. the next team that we want to get into though, it's the Nashville predators. And this one hurts me. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get it. Right. You bring in Ryan O'Reilly, you know, they, they have, you know, Roman Yossi still, UC Zaros in goal. Not sure if you've seen the UC Zaros uh, commercial where I think it's like I'm a not. it's like a financial advising thing. He's sitting there in the locker room and the guy's like, hey, what are your goals for retirement? No goals. <laughs> so I was that's like, that's I'm going to have to look that up on Twitter. So. Yeah, he just sits there the whole uh, time. Devil's Nation thinks that's sit. their future goalie right there. Yeah, you, uh, Zaros. I, I like Zaros. I like hey, the way that the way th- this is the perfect. I know we keep going back to the Devils. Uh, this that is the way Nashville season is going. The disappointment. It's the perfect scenario for Nashville. Well, Barry Trotz might be like, let's just sell because obviously this isn't working. Well, especially after Hellebuck so signed the extension in Winnipeg. He's not yeah. going anywhere. He's locked up for seven more years, which, by the way, I found out last night, Winnipeg is one of, if not the most American roster in the NHL. It's amazing, right? One right? Like Canadian. a Canadian team. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's definitely, you know, been a disappointment for Nashville. I believe just five wins on the season. You know, They've lost some close ones. They have, yeah, they have lost I, some close games, but 10 points through 15 games for the Nashville Predators was not what we saw. We saw this team as not maybe not being a playoff team, but being one that could close. knock on the door. We thought they were going to be competitive. We thought the fans in Smashville were really going to bring it. And ultimately, this is the Barry Trotz effect on a team. <laughs> like, <laughs> we love their coat. We love their, their hire too. And Andrew Burnett, like we love yeah, that too. But, like, but look at the roster, much. right? Their top line is Ryan O'Reilly, Gustav Nyquist, Phillips Forsberg. Their second line is Cody Glass, Luke Evangelista, and Kiefer Sherwood. Yeah. Who are these people? Like, <laughs> it's so like true. even Gustav Nyquist and Philip Forsberg and Ryan O'Reilly. At best, Forsberg and O'Reilly are B-list stars. Yeah. At, on their best day. Nyquist isn't a star. He's a solid player. You can get away with him being your sixth best forward. Yes. Nashville, this is just the raw. This is a Barry Trotz built roster. Um, <laughs> you know, defensively as well. Uh, Tyson Barry. Ryan McDonough. Tyson Barry. Come on, <laughs> man. Uh, we we taught. We did harp on that in the. We, um, we did. We did. I think. My, well. I think my. I think the reason why I thought they would fight for a playoff spot was 
like a Ryan O'Reilly finally getting back into a situation where he is the top center, right? They'll like maybe I, rejuvenate him. Bill no, I agree. Like, I agree. I thought all that of them had just started move. playing out slow. Like well, I thought maybe Barry Trotz and Andrew Burnett had some semblance of how to build a roster. I, I know they have the Luke Shen injury, but is yeah. Luke Shen really <laughs> making a difference <laughs> right here? Come on. They're dead. They're, and their bottom six has been putrid. Their I mean, bottom really six. Has. Their bottom six. Right now, it's um, Yuso Parson and Colton Sissons, Yakov Trainin, Liam Foody, Michael McCarron, and Cole Smith. Is yeah, there a it. single name outside of Colton Sissons that you've heard before? And they should have never Sissons. traded. They should have never traded Tanner Janelle last year. That was no. a bad move. No, I think that move, look, it's but what it's showing is actually a lot like what I saw from Tom Fitzgerald when he took over in New Jersey. Yeah. He had to break it down. He had to get a lot of the bad contracts. He had to let it get a lot of the old guys, let some of these young guys come up and play. And as you saw with the devils last year, right? Like a guy like miles Wood gone, Jasper Boquist gone, Yegor Sharon gone. The young guys yeah. that grew and played with the team for a few years, Eventually, the ones that stick, stick. The ones that don't, don't. But this is the time they're going to let them play. They're going to go through some growing pains. I guess more shame on us for expecting that. Yeah, no, that's what I was getting at, too. Yeah, because I saw with the Rangers, too, guys. Like, I mean – a little different because they had playoff. They had like Zuccarello gone. Turnaround time. They they did, but like Zuccarello gone and Stepan gone. When they when they decided they wanted to turn around, Buchnevich they traded because of contract. Well, like, a, even like you look at it. yeah, like McDonough going to Tampa Bay. Um, yeah, Girardi you know, at that time. Like they just kind of really flipped exactly. it and brought in, but they brought in older guys that. Well, that's they brought in they Yandel. Got, they brought in yeah, you know yeah, yeah. a few pieces here and there, like. That's the true. Rangers, it's it's weird because they've never been fully young, but they've also they they know when to get rid of guys. For the they most do, part. they do. Like the, the fact Rangers that they're really... not in on Patrick Kane right now, I think should That's be awesome. very telling. Yes, I agree, and I also feel like my the Rangers, my team, have really put an emphasis over the last five to ten years on. A young, they want to build a young defensive core so they don't have to keep trading for defensemen like they did with McDonough, Girardi, right? Stall, like yeah, stalwart for years and goaltending. They, they're following the same blueprint. They're just changing it up on on offense where they are they are really going. You know, they got the young draft picks on offense and they went young, keeping Heedle and will pluck an, a veteran, you know, wing here and there. It's like the opposite of what you know what was going on back in the early you know 2010s and stuff. So oh, yeah. yeah. It's yeah, a way to look, win, though. I think Nashville following the same paths as New Jersey and New York since we saw it up close. I, yeah. I can see that. You make no, it in the, it's it's just what it seems like. It feels like Barry Trotz wants to filter it out. He got his coach. Now he wants to he wants to get his players in there. And yep. you you saw when he was with the Islanders. Barry Trotz is a specific type of player, and there's a reason why he was he was a Lou Lamarillo coach. Like they yes. worked out very well for a reason over there on Long Island when they were together. Um, but let's shift over to the East and talk about our two disappointments out there. First one I'm going to go into is the Buffalo Sabres. Now they're a little bit better than the other team we're going to talk about out East, but I mean, we, we were talking about Buffalo being a playoff team. They are seven, eight and one to start. They are just not doing what we thought they were going to do. They are dealing with 
a slew of injuries. Tage Thompson, as we were just saying, is out. Alex Tuck has been missing some time. Devin Levi missed some time for a little bit as well. And even when he started the season, he was putrid after – I mean, we were singing his praises. We were ready to crown this guy the next top goalie in the league. He looked so good in the the end of last year. He looked so, so good. Yeah, and he made us look like idiots. But, you know, like, still, though, I I think Buffalo has done a better job of being a little bit more competitive, but they're still losing games. It's it's been a tough, tough go for Buffalo sports right now. Yeah, very true. (laughs) I, 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 though... I will say, I think more of Buffalo's struggles have been they haven't had a consistent lineup on the ice for this season. There's always been a guy out or, like, to your point, they just haven't been able to put the team they wanted on the ice for even a stretch of four or five games in a row. Now you lose Tate Thompson. I mean, he's the heart and soul of your team. He's he's the star. He's like losing a Jack Hughes. He's like losing a, a oh, Kale exactly. McCarr last year. It's just so hard to make up. And when you're not, when you don't have, I, I feel like when teams struggle like this, right, you need to have someone that can, that can take the brunt of losing that and then find a way to win in a different way. So for example, right, the Rangers lost Igor for the last four games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jonathan Quick's a capable backup, but the Rangers tightened it up on defense, even losing Adam Fox. They found ways to win in other ways. The teams like well, I mean, they've won the Louis Domingue game too. I, yeah, that too. Like Buffalo, I feel like they're incapable of doing that because they they they're just they don't know how to win in a different way. They only know how to win and they're only competitive when Tage is on the ice, Tuck is on the ice, and they have their full complement of players going there. And I think it's a testament to coaching. They're just not ready to win in a different way. I still think they're too young. They need everything to be perfect. And I think it's a kudos to them for staying kind of competitive. So when they do get healthy, they might be able to go on a little run. But, yeah, it's disappointing to me because I just thought they were going to be so much better. Well, you see the difference in the Devils, right, when they don't have Jack Hughes, right? They don't have Nico Heischer. Well, the Devils still have Timo Meyer. Jesper Bratt, Dawson Mercer, Eric Paula, Tyler Toffoli, Andre Palat. Like, there are guys for the Devils to still lean on, and you see how bad they've been. So, Buffalo loses Tage Thompson. All of a sudden, Casey Middlestad is their top-line center. (laughs) So, so yeah, Buffalo is dealing with some (laughs) trouble Victor Olofsson needs to play better, more minutes, things like that, yeah. Exactly. It's just been – it has been a very, very difficult stretch for Buffalo. But, again, it's just another one of those – Shame on us, right? They just weren't quite there yet. We also weren't we weren't ready for (laughs) we weren't ready for Boston to come back though either. They they well understand them. Edmonton has been the biggest disappointment. Boston has to be the biggest surprise. I mean, maybe you can argue the Rangers just with how well they have been playing as a surprise. I would say that's not even as much of a surprise as Boston, though. Because the it's Rangers, not, if you because if you told me the Rangers were in first place to start the season at going into Thanksgiving, I would have said, okay, that's not far fetched. But if you but said if t- Boston was doing exactly what they are doing as last year, no way. <laughs> I know I agree with that, but I will also counter your point with if I told you the Rangers would be in first place and they would play almost two weeks without Heedle, Fox, and Igor, you would call you would be like, there's absolutely no shot. Well, Igor, Igor, and Fox, yes. Yeah, Hedl. Uh, Hedl, yeah, I don't know. Hedl is a big is a big part of that team. He really is. But uh, we don't have to get into that. I'm just saying that that yes, it's it's it is 
it is fun being a fan, like, like a Boston fan must be so fun. They're just one of those organizations that they're just always going to figure it out. Right. There's just like the, in the NFL, right. There's just going to be teams that are always going to figure it out. And Boston's one of them. And you know, it, it's, it just is what it is. It's, it is frustrating. Well, <laughs> your boy, uh, Alexa Lafreniere, seven goals. I'm He's pretty sure out. he has more goals than anybody on the devil's right now. Except He's maybe to Foley. <laughs> He's breaking out. He's breaking out. I, I told you, especially put him, give him a good coach, put him on a line with Panarin, and the kid's going to flourish. But yep. we do have one last team to touch on here, one last disappointment. And I picked, I, I think I did pick this team to go to the playoffs. It's the Ottawa Senators. I think I agree with you if I remember correctly. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, I mean, Tarasenko, Kachuk, Matthew Joseph is solid, Tim Stutzla. Uh, is another one who's who's been continuing to take steps. You know, the bottom six, I like it. Matthew Highmore, Parker Kelly, Drake Batherson, Dominic Kubalik. Like, these are good players in the bottom six. Oh, yeah, by the way, defensively, when you have a Jacob Chikrin that they went out and got, you have Travis Hamannick, you have a Jake Sanderson, you have an Artem Zub. You know, goaltending, yeah, I get it. Uh, Corpus Salo hasn't been what they expected. Anton Forsberg isn't that good to begin with. But come on, I, I did not expect the Ottawa Senators to be the team that ended up in the cellar of the Eastern Conference because they are currently tied with Columbus for the worst uh, record, least amount of points in the East. Why for Ottawa? Why are they so bad? Why can't they figure it out? That's a loaded question. They're so talented. They're they can they can play quick. They can play heavy. They've got really good defensemen. I huh. I always beg the question in hockey. Sometimes when you have a talented team that isn't performing, I always go to coaching. Well, like, and I was if, gonna say coaching and how much of it is is ownership, right? How much of it yeah, is the like fan the base? Like yeah, like you know you know like ownership. It's it's going through the transition, like. Mm-hmm. A lot Ottawa. easier to go to work on a Tuesday night when Jack Hughes is your center. A lot easier to go to work on a Tuesday night when you're playing with Austin Matthews, right? Like a Max Domi, right? Kind of player. Hard to go into work happy in Ottawa on a Wednesday night against the Sharks, right? Like, and yeah. without owner, like I just feel like it does it does make a difference where you play, who you play for, the ownership, the coaching. I think that's the Ottawa testament because ever since Alfredson and Spezza and all them, they used to be a powerhouse in the NHL. They used to be in the early to middle 2000s to like the beginning, probably like 2015, 2016. I was going to say, because even they were a perennial playoff team still, Every even year. after the Alfredsons and the Spezzas. Yeah. They made some bad moves, and one of them is the Mika move for the Rangers to, for Broussard. I mean, they've just made some trades that they took young players out of their system for some reason, and it's and they haven't been able to make up for it. And now it feels like they have the team and their coaching staff and the ownership questions. It's it's weird to me. Yeah, it it, it, look, coaching is obviously a big part of it, but I mean, that's my answer. We also we also coaching. can't. I, I feel like as much as I want to overlook it, I can't overlook the age of Giroux and Tarasenko. Your top two okay. right wings are are north of thirty. Like, yeah, sure. You know, they're on the older side. They're they're past their primes, essentially. Even uh, you, you could say what you want about Patrick Kane and Tarasenko to the Rangers last year. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to say it just because I, I didn't want to be wrong, to be honest with you. I felt like it was something I would totally get burned on. Yeah. I wasn't 
too impressed with bringing in two old guys. Like <laughs> it's Patrick true. Kane, it's true. I felt like was washed. Yeah, he now, was hurt. He, he had was some. Hurt, yeah. he, he had some moments, but that wasn't Patrick Kane that we Tarasenko saw. Tarasenko was great though. Tarasenko was. Great I think he's going to end up a Ranger now again. He's going to end he up might. a Ranger. Again. He yeah. might, but I mean, look, he started off extremely hot with the Rangers as well. Mm-hmm. Come playoff time, I saw exactly the Vladimir Tarasenko I thought we were going to see. Except in games one and two. Well, I, I don't count <laughs> games one and two. Because the series didn't start until game three. But for Adele's this, fan, it didn't start until game three. <laughs> for you, it ended after game two. <laughs> well, game three, honestly, it ended. Because game, well, three, game think, three was a great game, though, too. It, it, game three was awesome. And I always tell Devils fans this, who even with the Rangers' hot start this year, they're still talking shit about you know beating us in the playoffs. Well, you got to remember – you're one shot away from that series being over, and you won one more game in the playoffs than the Rangers. It's that just calling a spade a spade. Well, I mean, they won two more games. Two oh, more. yeah, I forgot. I two. forgot. two more but, games. But, look, <laughs> at the same time, I, I think we're at a point where last year is last year. I don't care that the Devils beat the Rangers in the playoffs. Yeah, I enjoyed it over the summer. Oh, I yeah, enjoyed it. Of course, it. you have to, and you're going to have those highlights forever. The Mikey McLeod deke on on uh, on playoff game, four, game seven. Yeah, you're you going to love it. You're gonna, but, overtime winner from Dougie at yeah. the Garden, shutting up the crowd. Jack Hughes point, like, going by. There's so many memories. Like as a Ranger fan, I remember I would I would, I would love them too. You know, but like to your point, last year, last year, and that's exactly it. Because now the Devils and Rangers looks like the script has flipped a little bit but <laughs> we'll see on saturday that was we, so. we will see and hopefully jack will be back he might be he might not be hopefully we'll see back. hopefully nico is back i think <laughs> nico is very much just as important as jack hughes i think it's very easy to overlook that nico is out because he doesn't have the offensive production but yeah, i think that's also that, i think that's a big reason for the defense especially again their center depth has taken such a hit yeah. It's such an advantage to let Dawson Mercer play the wing. It's such an advantage to have Nico Heischer as your top line center and Jack Hughes can go out there and just play offense. Like, yeah, it, it is an advantage. But on that note, before we start talking more Devils Rangers, this wasn't really supposed to be a Devils Rangers pod. Uh, well, they play this week, so listen, it, it turned, it turned in, it turned into. Oh, it. don't worry. Next week is next week. The the gloves are coming off. You know what? I want to I want to say one thing before you wrap. Oh this yeah, up. go for it. Because the Truba hit on, uh, I forgot his name, uh, Marchenko, whatever, stirred yeah. up, uh, stirred up oh. a conversation <laughs> in Devils and Hurricanes land where, you know, that was a dirty hit. And I'm going to say this. I go I go on the record a lot saying I don't think Jacob Truba is a, a dirty player. We are one semi-dirty hit against the Devil from that argument being like, like if he like knocks out like Nico again, in his first game back, I was like, going to say, if Nico comes bit, back, Truba's going to get him in the head and it's going to be over. Even like a little bit of a shoulder into the head, like oh. because Nico skating with his head down, like devil's fans, like will just be like all over. They already all over. Truba well, and, and look, I know, just, I know all the devil's fans, they, they're on Truba. Obviously I'm not the biggest fan of Truba. I thought the hit on uh, Meyer one of those in players. the, in the playoffs should have been a penalty. Yeah. I Left agree. his feet charging whatever but the hit on marchenko was clean hit it was shoulder on shoulder didn't leave his feet he had the puck get over it (laughs) exactly uh, we 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 definitely have a little bit more uh in depth 
on that conversation in terms of is Jacob Truba a dirty player? Maybe some <laughs> other guys if they're dirty players, but that will do it for us here on the Outsider Sports Hockey Podcast. Appreciate you guys listening. Tune in again next week and make sure you catch our power rankings coming out every Monday. So make sure you check us out at outsidersports.net as well. We'll see you next week. Stay tuned and have another great week of hockey.